Welcome back. I'm Dr. Chaps, live in Washington, D.C. at The Return, a National Day of Prayer and Repentance on the Mall in Washington. Joined again by a returning guest and a fan favorite, Frank Gaffney leads the Center for Security Policy, uh, that is securefreedom.org. Frank Gaffney, welcome back to the program. Thank you. It's always a pleasure to be with you, especially on this occasion in this place. I know, right? This is an important day for, for the conservative movement, but also for religious freedom, and you have been fighting to save the persecuted Christians. That's also your other website, savethepersecutedchristians.org. You work very close, for example, with Ambassador Sam Brownback, who's the International Ambassador for Religious Freedom. Uh, you work and have advised uh, officials in the Trump administration about religious freedom. Give us an update. The update is, unfortunately, things continue to go badly around the world for hundreds of millions of Christians, by some estimate 300 million to be precise. By some other estimates, about 240 million of them are being really brutally persecuted. The others are just, their lives are made miserable by people who think they can with impunity engage in various acts of repression. And the worst cases, torture, rape, imprisonment, banishment, in some cases, genocide. And these are committed by governments against Christians. Some are governments, some are entities like Boko Haram, for example, or ISIS in Nigeria that are doing it with impunity, basically because the government is on board with them doing it. Wow. But whether it's a direct manifestation of government policy or whether it's people doing it unmolested by government, the effect on the people simply for following Jesus Christ is the same. Horrific, terrible, brutal persecution. And, and you've discovered that uh, there are several ways to approach the problem. We can, we can publicize it, we can complain about it, we can alert the media, we can pray. Uh, and yet sometimes the most effective strategy, policy-wise, is to get the United States president on board. The, the administration sometimes has more power with a single phone call to cut that out and leave those Christians alone. And you've had uh, advisory success here in the United States Capitol. Some, I wish it were more, to be honest with you, but the principle is right. And in addition to the list of things that you can do, obviously, is the great work that many of the organizations with which our coalition is intimately involved is, is to actually try to relieve the suffering by getting food and water and medicine and clothing and shelter and in some cases refuge for those who are being persecuted. But, and with all due respect to the folks who do this and do it very courageously, often at very great personal risk, that's kind of symptomatic treatment of the problem. What we've been trying to do with Save the Persecuted Christians, as you said, is a kind of systemic treatment of the problem, which is to say, create conditions under which those responsible for the persecution realize that there are going to be costs to them for what they're doing. At the moment, generally, that's not the case. They can do it with impunity and do. But if you, as you say, bring the United States government with its power and its prestige and its levers, like cutting off foreign aid, like yeah. sanctioning individuals, like preventing their families from coming to the United States or going to school here or what have you. 
suddenly it may not be as appealing a proposition That's right. to people who've just been doing it because it was easy or maybe popular in certain communities within their country. And that's what we have to affect, is that calculation by holding the persecutors accountable and by creating real costs to them for their crimes against humanity. Well, one very practical example I can think of using your strategy uh, is when Turkey arrested an American pastor, Andrew Brunson, and he was uh, preaching the gospel in Turkey as an American citizen. He was arrested by the government. He was in jail, probably wasn't gonna come home. But President Trump made a phone call to President Erdogan of Turkey and said, you persecute Americans, we will not trade with you. And suddenly Turkey felt the teeth of the American foreign policy. Oh, you mean we have to respect religious freedom? They released Andrew Brunson within a month and he was back home in America. Well, if I could add just a little texture you to know that about story this, because yeah. it, it's, uh, the broad outlines of it are right. The call actually, was one in which the president was told by Recep Tayyip Erdogan, the president of uh, Turkey, a rabid Sharia supremacist, that if the president would get Bibi Netanyahu to let a prominent Hamas operative out of Israeli jail, Erdogan would let Pastor Brunson out of Turkish jail. Oh no. So. The president said, no problem. He called his good friend Bibi Netanyahu and he said, look, I need you to let this gal out so we can get Pastor Brunson out. Bibi said, for you, Mr. President, we'll do that. Let this Hamas terrorist type out. The president called Erdogan back. Erdogan said, well, thank you, Mr. President. Appreciate you getting her out of jail, but uh, we're going to actually just remove Pastor Brunson from prison, but he's going to remain under house arrest. He cannot leave the country, and we will continue our prosecution of him. Oh my God! And the president said, "You've lied to me." And not only did he tell him that he was going to impose sanctions on him, he did it. Wow. And when he did it, and suddenly the lira, the currency of Turkey, was cratering. Oh my God! And its economy and its exports of steel and aluminum and other things were powerfully affected. That's when Erdogan said, all right, let him out, <laughs> let him go. So wow. it had to actually be done. And that's what's so important about this, not just this story, but in the macro. You need to demonstrate your will to punish people. You can't just say you're going to do it. And when that happens, I think there's going to be, on a much broader scale, real relief for followers of Jesus around the world. So your observation is generally, President Trump has been an advocate for religious freedom in cases like this. No question. Look, there's never been a president, to my knowledge, certainly in the modern era at least, who has not only talked the talk, but walked the walk about religious liberty and particularly about persecution of Christians. Because, you know, there are lots of faiths around the world that are being treated badly. The Uyghurs in China come to mind, uh, yeah. Falun Gong, uh, the uh, uh, Rohingya, and so on. The sheer scale, and I think most Christians in this country have no idea, but as I said, over 300 million Christians are said to be persecuted around the world. And that is a unique situation. It takes the problem of repression of religious liberty 
to a whole new level, and we need to counter that with every instrument at our possession. And you've enumerated many of them, starting with prayer. Yeah. But we need the U.S. government to use its strong influence as well, and we'll make a difference, we believe. I'm, I'm totally with you. In that spirit, and since we're here at the day of prayer and repentance, would you join me in a word of prayer? Father in heaven, we ask your blessing on Frank's work on the Center for Security Policy on SaveThePersecutedChristians.org and everything that he is doing. Give him more influence, Father. Give him uh, open doors for, for meetings, for uh, influence, for whatever. Uh, Father, we pray that even President Trump would have a renewed attention toward religious freedom and persecuted Christians around the world that the American foreign policy would be first to promote our own U.S. Constitution, but right there at the top is the First Amendment and the Amen. freedom of conscience, the freedom of uh, worship, the freedom of religious expression that is enshrined in our Constitution. We pray that would be America's foreign policy toward other nations who get it wrong. God bless Frank and the work he does. In Jesus' name, amen. 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 Mention your website and what do you want people to do? Securefreedom.org is the site of the Center for Security Policy. SaveThePersecutedChristians.org is the site of the Save the Persecuted Christians uh, team. We'd like them to use these as resources. We'd like them to learn what we are sharing about the condition our country is in at the moment and what people like them, regular believers or non-believers, regular folks in our country need to do to try to survive our republic and all the freedoms that our constitution guarantees. If they have a moment and would care to support us in our good works, we'd appreciate that. Too. And I think you'll give them a bumper sticker. Securefreedom.org, save the persecuted Christians.org. That's it. All right. Our guest has been Frank Gaffney. Our website is PrayInJesusName.org. If you can, please donate when you visit. If you need prayer today, pick up the phone and call us at 866-Obey-God. Again, that's 866-O-B-E-Y-G-O-D. Operators are standing by to pray with you, or you can leave a message and we will call you back. God bless you in Jesus' name. We'll see you next time. Dr. Chaps needs your financial support to stay on the air. Would you please send your best financial donation today? Please visit PrayInJesusName.org to donate online. Or you can mail a check to Pray In Jesus Name Ministries, Post Office Box 77077, Colorado Springs, Colorado 80970. You can also call us toll free right now, 866-Obey-God. That's 866-O-B-E-Y-G-O-D. Please sign up for our free emails at PrayInJesusName.org. Again, that's PrayInJesusName.org.